Come and dream with me. Hello, welcome to What Do You Want to Watch? The Explosion Network's premier media podcast. Every week we get together to talk about movies, TV, and online content and help you answer the question Will Cocaine Bear be our favorite bear? <laughs> I certainly hope what, so. Of, we the don't year, know of the year or like. <laughs> I know. Is it, that, I was thinking this week after I posted what the top three th- for this week should be. Uh, I thought, "Fuck, I messed up." It should be top three bears. That's what I should have okay. done this week. <laughs> I'm your host, Ashley Hobbley. Join me today, Dylan Blight. Uh, yeah, happy to be here talking about uh, bears. Except we're not talking about bears because it's coming out this week. But <laughs> well, I mean, we just spent like last minute talking about bears, but that's true. Cocoa Bear, Winnie the Pooh Bear. What else is there at the moment? I'm sure there's not a bear. Magic Mike's a bear. <laughs> I don't think he is. Okay, that's okay. It's All right, on today's episode, we'll be telling you what's in a watch history, uh, talking about a little bit of film news, giving some thumbs to trailers, and talking about this week's top three. Uh, of course, the big release of last week, Airman and the Wasps, Quantum Mania. Uh, we did a full spoiler cast over on uh, all new Marvel cast, which you can go check out if you watch the movie like many did as a grossed, uh, obviously won the weekend, making $100 million or more worldwide, or at least domestically in America. Uh, so yeah, big financial success. But Dylan, what did you think of Ant-Man and the Wasp? Quantumania. Uh, I was very disappointed by Ant-Man and the Wasp. It was nothing like the charming movies that came before it. it just sort of felt like a, a movie that was made for the the sake of making it, uh, which I feel like a lot of Marvel movies have felt like at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I there's some decent performances in here. There's some slightly interesting world design, I guess, of the quantum verse. But all in all, I've nearly forgot everything I watched, and I'm ready to move on with my life. And I, I don't know if I'll even watch it again. I usually watch everything Marvel at least once more when it comes out. But. Maybe when it comes to Disney Plus. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't have strong feelings either way. I think it was just a fine, okay movie. I think, uh, like you said, I feel like it is tonally so different to the first two films and tonally different to what we expected going in that it's kind of off-putting. Uh, it's desperately trying to be... Uh, Everybody keeps calling it a Star Wars movie. Uh, and I, mm. I think that's, you know, a bit of a stretch. It is definitely a science fiction movie. There are aliens in it, you know. It's very uh, otherworldly and that kind of stuff. But uh, you know, I, I think, you know, that's a, that's a terrible generalization of the genre as a whole to just bring it back to Star Wars. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously the big draw for this one is Jonathan Majors as Kang uh, meant to be the big bad of this phase um, I think he's very good <laughs> um, he's got a cool look uh, he's a very oh. dominating presence uh, but yeah this is a very ridiculous movie at times um, yeah kind of listening to some other people talk about it as well like it's interesting how much of an influence that like Rick and Morty has had on the MCU. Well, the writers, the 
the writer wrote episodes from Rick and Morty. So, um, even it was like the guy who's made of goo. It's like, oh, you need to drink me. Do you want to drink more of me? Drink my, drink my body. I got no holes. It's me, Mister Macy. Drink my holes. I yeah. got my holes in my body. Whoa, whoa, wow, you Rick. can't do that voice, Dylan. He's cancelled. I can't do the voice. No, the, the actor. <laughs> so someone else will just get hired to do the exact same fucking voice. So. <laughs> then you can do an impression of that person doing the, the impression. I was going to say, he's also not cancelled. He's potentially going to jail. Is he? I don't know. Oh, yeah. He's he getting charged. charged. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so like... Potentially. Probably not. Um, yeah. So obviously, it's interesting. This has been... This is equal with Eternals as the uh, lowest rated film on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, of the MCU, uh, so that's this you know that that's the bar. <laughs> if you haven't seen it yet, uh, going in, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's okay. I I think you could probably wait till it comes out on Disney Plus in like a month and a half to see it. All right, I think you could just not watch it at all. That's- <laughs> I it's mean, also an alternative, like, just... No, they need to watch it and then listen to our spoilercast over an all-new Marvelcast. Or just listen to the old, our spoilercast and not watch you it. Just listen to the spoilercast and just hear me explain why it's not a good movie. Yeah. Whichever result ends in you listening to all-new Marvelcast uh, all is right. a win. So, yeah. Uh, pretty light watch history this week. Uh, I finished watching The Legend of Vox Machina Season 2, of course, is the animated series based on the Critical Role Campaign 1, in which a band of uh, adventurers this season have to fight off a bunch of dragons. Um, Really enjoyable. I think uh, they... This one, they kind of... This season, they've... They definitely shook up the events of the previous... Of the events from the campaign. Like, they took a lot of liberties and, like, uh, like they separate the party at certain points and certain people go and do this mission that everybody was at uh, and the other people go do this mission that everybody was at separately uh, so it's it's doesn't feel like a retread um, the pacing issues that I felt like that I had an issue with in the first season I don't have any with this season I feel like they've the fact that they've been pretty much guaranteed that they could run the show as long as they want. <laughs> uh, they've pretty much been given a blank check and however many seasons they want to make the show means they've been able to slow down and like they've kind of giving the arc, this arc enough time uh, to play itself out and don't need to rush through uh, killing all the four members of the Chroma Conclave uh, in one season. Um, yeah, I think it was really fun, obviously hitting a lot of emotional moments uh, that are important to fans of the the sh- of Critical Role. Uh, lots of cool voice actors and appearances and little cameos. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, and uh, I'm looking forward to season three. Uh, whenever that comes, probably. Is that con- I was gonna say, is that confirmed? Or? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's confirmed. I mean, they yeah, they've already signed Critical Role up for a second TV series, so. Okay. And they've given a first look deal, so uh, Prime Video is uh, putting a bunch of money on uh, on Critical Role. I, this is an interesting question that I've had a thought about recently. Are we are we getting even closer to animation 
being for everybody, I guess. But you see Criti- Legend of Vox Marker, Rick and Morty, Invincible, is animated shows, could animated, are animated shows almost getting to the level of live action stuff in the West? I don't, I don't really understand. So, this question. When there's always been South Park, Futurama, Simpsons as non-kids. They're not kids mm. shows. Like, South Park's definitely adults, but Simpsons and Futurama were never kids shows. They're just general. But I wouldn't say they're for kids. So, I guess the, the difference between them is a lot of these things are more, like, M-rated rather than Simpsons I guess, Futurama, yeah. I guess. So, but there's always been adult animated stuff. I remember watching like a bunch of adult animated stuff on late night SBS that definitely wouldn't hold up today under like what I view as okay. Uh, <laughs> but there was, there, I mean, there's always been. That's true. Yeah. Adult animated stuff. So, I mean, uh, what's the cold channel? The oh, fuck. adult swim. Yeah, that's it's literally true. the whole thing. So, I mean, Rick and Morty's just, I guess, helped elevate that. I guess, it's so, I guess so I'll popular, ask you, but... is it is adult animation becoming more mainstream? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Like, I, I, I'd say, yeah, through Rick and Morty, then over the last few well, years. Well, that plus yes. all the Netflix series and yeah, I know, but like as much as yeah. as much as the current current creators' problems with Rick and Morty is. I do feel like that show is the 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 catalyst for a lot of other shows' popularity. Mm. Yeah, definitely interesting uh, of culturally to see the the change kind of happening. Of like, lots of big properties like they're happy to have an animated show, whereas they were desperate yeah, to try and get could, live action. Yeah, if only they could make animated movies for adults, not just kids. Crazy. What a crazy world we live in. Crazy. Crazy. Uh, so I watched the documentary David Stratton, A Cinematic Life. This is a documentary uh, for like following the career of David Stratton, kind of, who was obviously an Australian film critic, best known for- It's come out like three, four years ago. Yeah, three, four years ago. Yeah, I'm, I've still I've wanted to watch this for ages. Yep. So it's, uh, yeah, obviously an Australian film critic, best known for doing at the movies, uh, but also writing for various- uh, publications around the world uh, and also being credited with like helping a lot of Australian films uh, get known internationally. I believe the thing was he was the first critic to write a review for Strictly Ballroom, no, Muriel's Wedding uh, in Variety. It's like giving that film a huge boost internationally. Uh, but it's also like, while it's does kind of delve into Stratton's career and that kind of stuff. It's also intercut with a bunch of, like, looks at a bunch of Australian films. So it's half uh, Australian film retrospective, half David Stratton uh, biography. Or, uh, yeah, documentary, I guess. Um, So, yeah, I enjoyed it. I think, you know, it gave me a lot of appreciation for a bunch of these Australian films that I haven't watched. I probably need to get around to doing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so yeah I, I would recommend checking that out for any uh, film buffs I mean and it's also like nice to see human Margaret like talking about stuff and obviously there's like 
they obviously play one of their several conversations where she's like, I give it five stars. And he's like, I give it half a star. <laughs> yeah. Is it Sex and City? I don't I, They I didn't know, actually a name a movie. I was going to say, there was, a, there was one episode where they did Sex and City and I saw, I don't think I'm even over-exaggerating when I'm pretty sure it was the first or second movie and Margaret gave it like a four or five and David just went, Margaret, one star. <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, I used to watch at the movies religiously, like look forward to it every week and then yeah. when it got cancelled, I was so pissed off. But they, they, I don't know if it was cancelled. It was stopped. cancelled by the government uh, because of lack of funding. Happened. Yeah, fucking John uh, Howard. Uh, <laughs> that and Glass House. Who's watched Glass House all the time? Glass House. Yeah. yeah, I used to have like all my ABC shows, and they all got fucked over because of fucking John Howard. We assume. I can't. No, think. I know. Yeah, was it? Yeah, it was before two thousand five, right? So John Howard. Uh, but yeah, uh, the other interesting story to come out of it was obviously his uh, coverage of uh, oh, what's the Russell Crowe. Uh, film where he's a neo-nazi oh um romper stomper romper stomper and how he just like i don't want to rate this film i have no interest yeah, in discuss- a- and yeah, yeah so you get he's talking about it but then you also get uh the director of the film giving his version of events as well to the extent mm-hmm. where he <laughs> he threw a glass of wine in david stratton's face at one point at an event this is so that's what I find that whole, like, that story has always been interesting to me and just, like, a proving, a proving stone that when, when we get into these whole things, like, be it Hogwarts Legacy at the moment and all these sorts of things, like, about, like, reviewing things and, like, the like how it's a reviewer's job and have to review stuff. Like, I remember, like, reading about the romper stopper thing of David Stratton, a well-respected movie critic who refused to mo- review stuff. And I know there's I've also been stuff like Siskel and... Uh, Ebert. Edbert uh, would refuse to review at different points. As I think there was at least one or two movies they refused to review. So I, I just always think it's interesting when, you know, the hardcore right nuts like try to say it's a new age sort of, it's a mm. woke thing or whatever else. But um, yeah. people have always throughout had, history reviewers for different reasons. that they want to do. No. Yeah. And whether or not you fall on the line of Stratton was wrong, it doesn't really matter because it was his choice. Like, No, he just, he saw the movie, I believe. He just did. Yeah, he watched like, it. He refused he to did. review it. Yeah, to give it a yeah. rating or whatever. Um, yeah. But like you said, Tim doing that like spurred the audience for the film because everybody... Yeah, because then it made it, a, um, made it like a... Ooh, what the fuck? Is it, is it yeah. that fucked up? Like, what's the... You know, like, what's the, what's the story? So. No, the, uh, no. The director says, uh, if, I have, if I did if I saw him again, I'd throw a glass of wine at him again, except this time I'll make sure it's white. <laughs> Because it must have been read the first time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And also, the other interesting story was uh, him talking about how he changed his opinion on the castle. Initially, he wasn't a fan and then came to appreciate it on rewatching. Mm. So, you know, that's a key thing, you know, change your the ability to cha- have change of heart, mm. change your mind on things. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was a really good documentary. And, yeah. Definitely added a few films to my list that I should get around to watching. It's a long list, but yeah. Uh, let's move into the mandatory Netflix segment of the show. Dylan, you watched the first couple of episodes of Lockwood & Co. 
Yeah, I did. I, um, I'm enjoying it. I feel like it does, as you were saying last week, hit that sort of, it's that, it is that teen supernatural vibe thing, um, but it's doing really well. I think that the, what I like the most about the show so far is just, it's not, um, it's not doing that thing where it's a, they're ghost hunting, but it's in secret and it's like a whole thing. It's just this world and I'm only two episodes in, but so far it's just like, it's, everyone knows it's ghosts. People, people get trained up and they hunt ghosts. It's like, it's a, it's a thing that happens in the world. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a job. You need, need to take down ghosts. But, um, also I thought the first episode where the main characters, the girl, whatever her name is, and she goes through the whole school and it's like mostly like a training thing and whatever else. And by the time you get to the end of the episode, it just went from like, oh, this is sort of lighthearted fun to oh, sh-, like actually sort of got sort of dark there for a moment where like, hot, like all her friends basically die. So yeah, <laughs> like, or worse. Uh, yeah, or worse. So, uh, but no, I'm, I like the characters. I like the banter between the main three, the back and forth uh, between them all. Uh, I, I, I reckon, I'll be keen to watch more. I think I'll definitely finish this one. So, all right, cool. Uh, well, I checked out Catching the Killer Nurse. So this is the documentary uh, about the serial killer me. Charles Cullen, which the story <laughs> of got adapted into the film The Good Nurse. I think it's called The Good Nurse. Yeah, The Good Nurse. Uh, yeah. So it follows. Yeah, it's kind of a documentary following how this man went around working at several hospitals, uh, pretty much giving drugs to people who didn't need these drugs and killing them um, for his own demented needs. Um, mm. Yeah, kind of... It It's kind of weird because it's... it's of, throughout the film, they use, like, audio recordings of his, like, confessions uh, of, like, kind of giving reasons as to why he did this. Like, he didn't want these people to hurt anymore. Uh, trying to give off the impression that he was, like, doing mercy killings and that kind of stuff. But it wasn't mercy killings. There were a lot of people who were on their way out of the hospital. We're going to go home. And he suddenly, decided, like, for whatever reason, decided he was going to target them um, and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, kind of, obviously, interviewing a lot of his co-workers... Uh, and then the lead detectives who finally like kind of cracked the case, uh, starting with investigating these couple of poison poisoning incidents at this one hospital, um, and then kind of finding his track record through many hospitals um, of similar occurrences um, and several other p- police investigations that weren't able to found have enough evidence to like do anything. Um, yeah, kind of a story about perseverance more than anything else, you know. Uh, but also, mm-hmm. as terrible as this person, it also, like, is super fucked up that these hospitals kind of swept everything up. They continued to, sw- like, yeah. each time he would kind of get caught, he would just be fired or asked to resign and would be allowed to move on to something else rather than the hospital get a bad rap for having yeah. a murdering murdering. This is, this is the thing that's always... Co- I haven't watched this or I haven't watched the... the- of the movie but, but the thing on the synopsis that always interested me is i'm like and i've read like the general idea that they knew from other hospitals and that's how they like that sort of stuff and i always wondered like did they not call like they hire the other hospital hires him you know like they reference check hey this dude worked here like what's the go and then someone's like yeah he's totally fine like these good. are for-profit hospitals so uh they don't ring anyone no no no, no. they're reliant on people coming to their hospitals 
so they don't want to get good pre- bad press. Uh, mm. So they just give him a nonchalant, like neutral reference, and let him move on. Very fucked up. The other thing, this was in 2003. I was kind of... <laughs> I thought it was more recent, I guess. Uh, but I guess I'm glad that it's so happened so long ago. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just the kind of method and like all this kind of stuff and like Carrie would have to take out all these drugs and that kind of thing. And uh, obviously mattered, you know, his, his, the things he did enacted laws that stopped future hymns from doing this hopefully mm. so yeah really interesting documentary am i gonna watch this movie probably not don't need to know at this point you know uh even though i sure jessica chastain and romana good i've still got it on my list i don't know if i'll ever get around to it but it's sitting there on my netflix list for a maybe one day thing maybe one day all right that's everything in our what's history let's get into a little bit of film news uh, the BAFTAs happens this week. Uh, of course, by now, fingers crossed, I'll have uploaded our Oscar predictions for this year. We were joined by Buddy Watson. You can check those out. Uh, but we recorded that before the BAFTAs. Um, but at the BAFTAs this year, uh, all quiet at the West Front. Uh, Reign Supreme taking out seven awards, uh, including Best Picture and Best Director. Uh, Taking seven awards home from possible 14 nominations. Dylan, is All Quiet at the Western Front a possible Academy Award Best Picture winner? No. No. I, I just don't see it. There's not, a, there's not a bone in my body that feels like that movie has any chance. Nothing against the movie. I think the movie's fantastic. I just don't see it at all. I feel like for the Bathers, I'm not surprised. British... British, British, let's try to keep it European yeah, at least. Yeah, yeah. That kind of makes a bit more sense there. Um, when I saw it one, I wasn't surprised. Whereas I swear if I'm sitting there watching the Oscars or if I'm at work and I fucking see it on Twitter or whatever, if, if I see that movie win any of the major awards, I'll be like, oh, damn. But all right. I, I would put it pretty low on my list of chances. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really interesting. They're obviously taking home that big award. Um, as considering it was a movie that kind of came out of left field. Um, other notable it's a remake winners as well, huh? It's a remake as well. So remake, yeah. Well, it's a very old film, so I mean, it's not that bad. Uh, other notable winners: Kate uh, Blanchett took out Best Lead Actress. Austin Butler beat out uh, Brandon Fraser, Colin Farrell. Darren McCormick, Paul Mescal, and Bill Nighy for Best Lead Actor in a Film. Uh, Best Supporting Actor and Supporting Actress both came from Banshees of Insurin. Barry Keoghan for Actor and Kerry Condon for Actress, which didn't have, which, you know, featured some controversy because apparently uh, they had Troy Cotter present the award and either him or the interpreter messed up and announced Kerry Mulligan won. Uh, so yeah, that that's awkward. Um, yeah, best adapted, yeah, best adapted screenplay went to All Quiet on the Front. Best original screenplay went to Banshees. Uh, best animated film went to Pinocchio, and best documentary went to Navalny. So yeah, lots of big categories, big wins over there, uh, leading up to the Academy Awards. The other, of course, at the same time, pretty much the Directors Guild of America Awards were happening at the same time. 
with uh, the Daniels taking home uh, the award for best feature for director for feature film, um, which you know is generally a massive indicator. Do we think the Daniels are a shoe in to win at the Academy Awards? I don't think they're a shoe in, but they're definitely top three. <laughs> are, they, are they top two? Top one? No, I'm counting them as one unit. The okay, Daniels. so top, top so okay. The top, top three still as two people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, listen to our predictions to see which way we're all swayed on this one, but uh, yeah, I think I was kind of surprised um but yeah other notable winners at the ggas uh charlotte wells won for after sun as best first time feature director uh sam levinson levinson won for euphoria for best drama series the episode stand still like a butter uh, hummingbird being out jason bateman for ozark vince gilligan for better call soul afu mcardle for severance and ben stiller for severance uh, while Bill Hader won for his episode of Barry, 710N. 710N, North? I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and oh, Station Eleven won something, you know, for Panzer Station Eleven. Got something there. I feel like that show came out like two years ago, to be honest. It feels like it, but. Yeah. People love it, won't shut up about it. Uh, I still want to watch it, but I, just, I honestly feel like it came out two years ago. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh. All right, Re- reading from the Hollywood Reporter, the Dragons of Vikings are taking the skies again, once again, this time in live action. Taking a massive swing, Universal Pictures has put in motion a How to Train Your Dragon live action movie with Dean DeBlois, the filmmaker behind the original animated trilogy, back in the saddle as writer, director, and producer. Uh, the feature project is already steps into the development process. Universal has dated the feature for March 14th, 2025, and sources also say the casting process is already underway. This dragon will adapt. This new dragon will adapt the trilogy of movies that were made by uh, DreamWorks Animation, released in 2010s, to great acclaim. The first movie released in 2010 earned Academy Award nominations for Best Animated Film and Score. Uh, the second and third notched Best Animated Film Oscar nominations. Uh, the trilogy was also hit with audiences grossing more than 1.6 billion dollars at the box office. Dylan, do you want to see a live-action version of Hiccup and Toothless? No, I do not. I don't feel like this will work as well, anywhere near as well, in live action, solely because the I feel like the main reason people like these movies is the beautiful animation the and the lovable, toothless, just characterization and general characterization between the characters and stuff, I guess. Because there's some, like, epic shit and fights and, you know, serious stuff that happens in these movies yep. for, like, they ride the line of that sort of PG between being kids and sort of hitting towards that older teen audience, I guess. But um, I feel like for the most people, the reason the movies were hit was because, yeah, they're, they're, they're fun, they're charming and whatever else. I just, you can't, like, if you want to do live action, the dragons are going to look like... <laughs> I got. I just. I don't see it. I don't see it being anywhere near as successful. This is a. This is a story where I just uh, animation was the preferred best way, I guess, to, to tell do that story. Books, yeah, tell that story. So, yeah, I tend to agree. Um, not necessarily because the dragons won't be, you know, realistic or like 
lovable if they're in live just action. Think about how Train to Dragon Three with that romance scene, and just <laughs> trying, <laughs> picture him doing his little little, uh, little dance and everything. <laughs> I think it's harder to do cartoony humor in live action. Yes, like I think it's who's going to suffer is all the side character kids. Mm, you know, like the twins. How are you going to do the dumb twins? How are you going to do yeah. uh, the nerdy? kid um all them how are you gonna tackle all that uh yeah. you know, i feel like we could do dra- dragons are possible it gets it's cu- compu- completely down to uh design and execution of the cgi uh whether that works or not but so much of this is reliant on the kids they cast to uh pull off the connections and that kind of stuff and i don't know if i'm sure it is possible but uh, my high, I, I'm not, I don't have high hopes. <laughs> uh, and, you know. Yeah, it is. It, Millie Bobby Brownie's got another job. Maybe. <laughs> so, it's some, and then the rest of it's cast someone else from Stranger Things, too. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Mike, you know, what's his, whoever plays yeah. Mike, he would be pretty solid hiccup. Yeah. He looks like Jay Parashel, so. Even though Hiccup looks nothing like Jane Baruchel. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting, you know, at least it's it's cool that they've got the original director involved and in bringing it to live action. Uh, that gives me some sort of hope that, you know. Won't be shit. It won't, well, it'll be, uh, it'll honor the original trilogy, uh, and, you know honor that legacy and that kind of stuff but uh yeah this is it's yeah it's, it's rough these live action films i don't know if we've had a live action adaptation yet that's been a success like all like financial and critical success mm, no not that i can think of christopher robert I don't think that it made any money. <laughs> it's a good movie, though. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> so here's an interesting one. Hellboy is headed back to the big screen. Deadline confirms that a reboot of the demonic hero titled Dead Hellboy, The Crooked Man, is in works at Millennium Media and Dark House Entertainment. Uh, the Crooked Man will feature uh, the third live-action iteration of Hellboy following the one's played by Ron Perlman and David Harbour. The script is being co-written by Hellboy co-creator Mike Mignola and his frequent collaborator Christopher Golden. Brian Taylor is set to direct. Brian Taylor, uh, the director of films like Crank and Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Uh, Deadline confirms the production will start in Bulgaria come March and casting conversations are well underway. That seems like they're pushing it very far. Uh, that's next week guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like, yeah. uh, according to Discussing Film the studio is seeking a younger actor in their 20 to 30s to play the new Hellboy that's because the Crooked Man takes place at an earlier point in Hellboy's life than previous films the 1950s to be precise uh, adapted from the comic storyline of the same name the Crooked Man sees Hellboy and another rookie agent of the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense stranded in Appalachia Appalachia where they run afoul of a witch coven led by a figure from Hellboy's past. In the comics, the Crooked Man is Jeremiah Wickens, an arms dealer who sold weapons to both sides of the American Revolution and Civil War. 
Dylan Hellboy and you No, did you ever really. watch the second I mean, one? No, I didn't. Second iteration. But I I like Hellboy like character in and book from like in concept, yeah. Uh I just hate this thing where they like they like the first reboot if you want to call it that with David Arbor a couple years ago. I had no problem with that. I was like, it's been a while. That's fair. Like, Gilmero just sort of had his his little two movies, keep them separate. Whatever, that's fine. Um, but I hate the whole, well, we're just rebooting it now because that last one failed terribly. So let's just reboot everything now. <laughs> like, and then what happens if this one fails? Do you just reboot it again two years from now? You know, you just keep rebooting until something works. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, the only saving grace for me is that Mike Mignola is directly involved in the script. Uh, and I assume in the producing and we'll be behind it in some more sort of way the baby be more creatively involved um, but yeah it just, it just seems like it's happening very quickly <laughs> it feels more like you read the, they're going to start filming in March they haven't even cast Hellboy yet that's right re- reads like they've got to, they're trying to get it in to keep the rights or something like that which make, doesn't really make a lot of sense you know a scene in Babylon where they races to get the camera and then they get up the top and Spike Jones, who's playing that director, um, he's just fucking fantastic. And he's just like, no, we got the last light. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they're doing for March. They're like, they can only film it in March for some <laughs> fucking reason. They're, everything's lining up. They're like, we got to go now. Action. <laughs> I'll we'll just add Hellboy in in post. Yeah, no, <laughs> we'll no. add him in post. It's fine. Also, I'll find a way to keep mentioning Babylon throughout this whole year somehow. <laughs> yeah, every podcast will bring up Babylon. Like, take a shot. I can't. Oh, I need to be. I was just. I, I check on iTunes the other day. Like, come on. I need to just give it. Inject this movie into my veins again. Yeah, surely it can't be that far away. Uh, Dylan, every single week, you know, there's a bunch of different projects announced, different casting news. Uh, it's hard to cover it all, but we like to talk about some of these projects. This pro- uh, segment we like to call. Would you want to invest? I'll give Dylan a project uh, with some casting and directors or just a plot line. Uh, and or Dylan a month will they're just me... making it. A month they're just filming the... it. <laughs> yeah, it could be, out, could be done but by next week for a winner. Uh, and <laughs> Dylan will let me know if he would want to fully invest, partially invest, or not invest. And history will be the judge of whether Dylan is correct or not. All right, let's jump into this week's iteration. Uh, Porna Gaganath. Uh, from Never Have Ever in Defending of Jacob, has joined the cast of the untitled Apple original film thriller starring George Clooney and Brad Pitt from writer, producer, and director John Watts. Hailing from Apple Studios, the thriller follows two lone wolf fixes assigned to the same job. Previously announced cast also includes Austin Abrams and Amy Ryan. Um, yeah, I'll fully invest in that. That sounds like a, a winner between... Watts and the cast and Apple TVs generally. You know what it sounds like? like? Sounds like the Grey Man. <laughs> what? What was the plot of that? The Russo's movie. Oh yeah, yeah, but was that was that the plot? I thought the, not I precisely, that. but it was there were a lot of like similar characters, I guess. Yeah, but like this two fixes, two assassins. Yeah, but this will be a good version of that. Okay. <laughs> it's just funny because obviously you know John Watts comes from the same Marvel, Marvel as system well, yeah. kind of yeah um, yeah uh, alright next project Vin Diesel and David Tui are reuniting for Riddick Furia 
the fourth installment of the action series that launched with the 2000 hit Pitch Black. Two will direct his script. Diz will star and produce under his One Race Films banner alongside Samantha Vincent, who will also produce. In the new film, Riddick finally returns to his home world, a place he barely remembers and one he fears might be left in ruins by the Necromongers. But there he finds other Furians fighting for their existence against a new enemy, and some of these Furians are more like Riddick than he could have ever imagined. I'm all in. I'm fully investing. I have you watched any of the Riddick movies? I have not watched any of these films. Yeah, so they're very like obviously they're very um hit or miss. Because what? It's Pitch Black. Yeah. So Chronicles Black, of Riddick. Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah, and then Riddick. Riddick. Yeah, I think I was just called Riddick. I can't remember if I had a subtitle. And because so Pitch Black is, in my opinion, fantastic. Chronicles and Riddick, they're fine. Like I don't, I, I actually don't feel like any of them are bad. But Chronic, obviously, Chronicles and uh, Riddick aren't anywhere near as good as the first one. But I don't feel like ever any of the sequels are bad, straight up bad. They're still enjoyable for, for what they are, which is this like sort of sci-fi space thing. And each movie stands on its own. Like, there's barely anything really connecting them. It's just Riddick somewhere else now, and something happens, like things. Um, but yeah, I, I've I really like all of them, so. Um, I'm keen. I'm keen for this. And the writer director is the dude behind the original. The uh, he he's you know it's the same guy. So. Same guy. All films. Same guy. I'm down. Let's go. All right. Six-time Tony Award winner Audra McDonald and Best Actor in a Musical Tony winner Miles Frost have joined the cast of Ava DuVernay's latest film, inspired by Pulitzer Prize winner Isabel Wilkerson's *Caste: The Origins of Our Discontent*. The two joined previously announced cast Arjuin Ellis, who was in the lead role, alongside Nisi Nash, Vera Farmiga, Nick Offerman, Colin Nielsen, John Berenthal, and Jasmine Cephas Jones. Written and directed by Devone, it is all she was producing alongside veteran collaborator Paul Garnas of Array Filmworks. A bestseller and shortlisted for several awards, Wilkerson's Case uh, examines racism in America through the prism of social, economic, and cultural delineation and pillars of exclusion. Uh, Cast has begun filming for several weeks in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, yeah, I will invest. Not fully, but I'll invest. Yeah. Uh, interesting to know this article. Apparently it was once a Netflix film, but it doesn't seem like it's one anymore. <laughs> Why? It, no, I don't know. It just never elaborates on it. Mm. So, yeah. That's, that's interesting. Uh, staying on mentioning Broadway people. Aggregate Films is developing and produced and will produce a feature adaptation of the off-Broadway play Amy and the Orphans with Jamie Brewer set to reprise the title role which earned her both a Theatre World Award and a Drama Desk Award. In 2018, Lindsay Ferentino will adapt her play for the screen, also here making her directorial debut. In Amy and the Orphans, three siblings come together in Montac uh, after the death of their father and confront the truths of their childhood. Amy has Down syndrome and has spent almost her entire life in group homes and her older siblings, Maggie and Jacob, come to realise that she is perhaps a different person than they had thought. Mm, nah. I got, well, nah. I got nothing. I, none of this does anything for me. Other than you saying it's won awards, which would be the only reason I would realistically okay. put any money into it. Otherwise, that plot does nothing for me. And I don't know anything about it prior to this when you just mentioned it. So I'm going to say yeah. no, I'm not investing. Wow. 
So. Yeah. <laughs> I hate the theater. Yep. Two-time Oscar winner Anthony Hopkins will team with Top Gun Mavericks Glenn Powell in Locked, a remake of the Argentinian action thriller 4x4 uh, for ZQ Entertainment and Rummy Productions. David Yervotsky is set to direct. Uh, he and Sam Raimi collaborated recently on Nightbooks. Uh, locked in an intense character-driven thriller about a thief who breaks into a luxury SUV only uh, to realize that he stumbled into a complex and deadly trap set by a mysterious figure. Um, I'll fully invest. I've heard of it, but never watched the, the original film. I know people spoke highly of it, so... Or, like, at least I saw people tweet about it that said it was mm. good, so... <laughs> that's what I mean by that. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm keen. But also, it just reminds me that... You read that out. I was like, when the fuck's that William Dafoe movie come out? <laughs> it just debuted in Berlin. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah. I was like, oh, it gets trapped and whatever. I was like, oh, yeah, when's that movie out? <laughs> uh, ben Stiller is setting an acting return with Three Identical Strangers, a high-profile net limited series package that just hit the premium streaming marketplace. Stiller is in final negotiations to headline and executive produce the series, a multi-decade family drama inspired by the incredible true story of three identical brothers separated at birth. The project hails from Party of Five co-creator Amy Lippman. Uh, set in New York over several decades, Three Identical Strangers tells the story of Bobby Shaffron, uh, David Kelman and Eddie Galland, three complete strangers who inadvertently discover they are identical triplets separated at birth when the 19-year-old's uh, joyous reunion catapults them to international fame. It also sets a chain of extraordinary and disturbing events in motion. Still is uh, slated to play the older version of the brothers. Uh, yeah, I'll fully invest. I've never, I haven't watched the thing, but you watched it, right? Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Interesting so, story. Are you excited for this? I'm I'm interested to see how they dra- dramatize it. Uh, obviously, you know, there's a bunch of different things that are missing, I guess, because they they can kind of fill in the gaps with visual story storytelling, I guess, that they didn't like have they store like footage of. You know what I mean? Uh, so now they can capture the moment of the two brothers like finding each other and then them finding out their triplets uh, and that kind of stuff. So yeah, and then kind of their life after that. Um, obviously they're going to cast somebody else other than Ben Stiller to play them as younger because Ben Stiller is quite old. Uh, he's definitely nah, could not put all, pull off a 19 year old. Uh, <laughs> so he yeah, blew, he, he blew, what's it called? <laughs> blue moons. Wait, what's it? Do, uh, the fuck is his post called? It's blue something, isn't it? I swear. Yeah. Whatever it is. Fuck. Now we have to look. Nothing makes you look younger than doing that, and he did it in that Super Bowl ad. So, and he looked like a young, a young man. Blue Steel. Mm-hmm. This was Blue Steel. There you go, Blue Steel. Anyway, uh, all right. Actor turned filmmaker Alex Winter has set the murder mystery The Adults, starring Evan Rachel Wood, Josh Gad, and Anthony Carrigan as his next project behind the camera with plans to also act in the pick. The film, penned by novelist Michael M.B. Galvin, who has previously adapted his own works Fat Kid Rules the World and Freaks Talks About Sex for the big screen, follows siblings Megan and Nathan, who are barely hanging on in present-day America. Uh, their lives are completely unended when they discover a dead body long buried in their parents' basement, sending them down a rabbit hole of crime and murder. 
Uh, that sounds fun. So I will invest. Not fully, but I shall invest. Okay. Eli Roth's Thanksgiving, a full-length feature based on the infamous fake trailer for Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino's Grindhouse, is gaining momentum as Patrick Dempsey is in talks to star. Uh, Spyglass Media is producing the pick with Roth directing. Jeff Rendell is painting the script with plans to shoot in March. <laughs> Uh, the Thanksgiving trailer presented the gory teaser about a pseudo film in which a slasher makes his own carving board out of the inhabitants of a Massachusetts town that makes a big annual fuss over the annual Turkey Day. One of the pivotal scenes involved Roth himself separated from his head while in throws a passion with a date and a convertible. It was popular enough that the plans formulated to make a feature-length bloodfest with Roth at the helm, but 15 years have passed since the original Grindhouse release and you could be forgiven for thinking that Thanksgiving was never coming. Um, I will invest because I feel like there's a, there's still going to be an audience for this. I'm not going to be super excited for myself really, but yeah, at those, all those trailers, obviously Machete was the, the big success story. It spawned three, what, two movies out of that one trailer. The one I really want to see is Edgar Wright did one that was just called Nope, but he couldn't do that now anymore. You can't do that now. <laughs> You'd have to be nah. No, it was don't, I think, actually. Maybe don't. Said, maybe yeah, it was don't. Yeah. It was don't. So, yeah, he still can. Because I remember that the fake trailer was just like something. Like, you'd be like, oh, that's creepy how something. If you think about going inside, don't. Like, so, yeah. <laughs> that, That's the one I want. Paul King, the director of Paddington movies, is putting on his dancing shoes. King is coming aboard to direct Sony Pictures' untitled Fred Astaire drama that has Tom Holland attached as the Golden Age film and dance star. Amy Pascal, Rachel O'Connor, Ben Holden, and Josh Hyams are producing. Uh, Sony is keeping the logline details under the, the top hat, but it is known that the project centers on the relationship between Astaire and his sister, Adele Astaire. The two were inseparable for more than 20 years, moving out of a simple Midwestern vaudeville act in the early part of the 20th century to Broadway and London's West End in the 1920s. Adele Astaire was initially the face of the act, but eventually Fred's consummate stage skills eclipsed her. The duo parted in 1932 when the sister married, which was a blow to Fred, uh, but it also turned his focus towards Hollywood dance musicals and subsequently set him on the path to cinematic uh, immortality. I'll invest. He'll probably win an Oscar, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Black Bear International has launched international sales on Fred and Ginger, the musical about the passionate and explosive relationship between Hollywood dance legends Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. The project was formally set up at Amazon, but is hitting the open market with Black Bear and financing at 30 West. As was previously known, BAFTA winner Jamie Bell will play Astaire, the technically driven perfectionist opposite Margaret Qualley, as the naturally gifted Rogers. The film is aiming to start production later this year. Jonathan Esselstwein uh, from the end of the fucking world will direct with from a script by writer Irish M. Ashmel. Uh, I don't know. Some of these are hard. Uh, no, I'm not investing in that. No. So you're picking um, the Tom Holland Fred yeah. Astaire movie over this yeah. one? Yeah. 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 All right. We'll see. Tom Holland's way more popular. Come on. I mean, it's interesting because they both, both him and Jamie Bell played Billy Elliot at different points in their career. <laughs> Fun fact. Uh, last one. 
Rain Wilson and Lil Ray Howery have closed deals to executive boost and starred in Code 3, a buddy action comedy from Wayfarer Studios and Circle of Confusion. The film from director uh, Christopher Leone, who did Parallels, follows a day in the life of two overworked, underpaid, and nearly burnt-out paramedics. One EMT is so burnt out by the job that he's forcing himself to resign, even though he must bark, embark on one last 24-hour shift to train his replacement. Everything that could happen on the job from the mundane to extreme then happens on this exil- on this final exhilarating day. Uh, yeah, yes, yes, I'm, yes, I'm, I, hold on, go again, who's doing that one? Starring Rain Wilson and Lil Riley Howery, directed by Christopher Leone, who did Parallels. What's the Parallels? Whatever, I'll invest, I'll invest. People watch that. They're, they're kids. Actually, when's the last time John C. Riley was in a movie? Wow, he's just done, but yeah, I was just seeing it. I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, all the all these TV shows and stuff. Yeah, I've never heard of this Parallels movie. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, I'll invest. Came straight to Netflix. Uh, <laughs> all right. I guess we'll find out in a couple of years' time with whether Dylan make right choices or not, <laughs> or maybe sooner if they quickly start filming. <laughs> Could be out next year. Uh, let's give some thumbs to some trailers. Of course, you can find all the trailers that we're about to talk about in the show notes or by going to explosion.com and, uh, finding the episode there. First trailer for this week is Extrapolations, created by Scott Z. Burns, starring Meryl Streep, Sienna Miller, Kit Harrington, David Diggs, Edward Norton, Diane Lane, Taha Rahim, Yara Shahidi, Matthew Reese, Gemma Chan, David Schwimmer, Adash Gaurav, uh, Kerry Russell, Marion Coulthard, Forrest Whitaker, Indria Varma, Tobey Maguire, Harry Neff, and Gaz Chowdhury. In the near future, the effects of climate change have become embedded in people's everyday lives. Eight interwoven stories explore the intimate, life-changing choices that must be made when the planet is changing faster than the population. Dylan, what do you think of the trailer for Extrapolation? I think this is fake news. <laughs> Is what I think. I don't know. I don't think it's news at all. I think it's, I think it's a drama news. series. I think we should cancel this TV show. Um, no, I thought it was good. I'm, I'm very keen. I like how Apple uh, Apple has this. Um, they've done a few shows now that I guess are more just you know what do you call anthology. it? Anthology. Like, anthology. That's the word. Yeah, anthology. I think so. Um, but no, I think it looks cool. I like. Uh, Scott, what's his face has done? Like um, Scott Z. Burns, obviously the one that they pushed at the start was he wrote Contagion. Can't imagine why that would be important, (laughs) or a film that a lot of people would have seen. Contagion. I I mean, I was thinking the report and um, Born movies or whatever. Anyway, um, but yeah, Contagion. Sure. Um, the cast looks good the stories look interesting it doesn't seem like uh super over the top or dramatized it just seems sort of more realistic i guess and affecting or potential realistic ways that it could affect the world uh world and pip's life so yeah I- i'm keen for this one yeah Double i think this up. obviously yeah two thumbs up for me as well i think it looks really good uh obviously a stacked cast uh looks like they've got a clear vision of how fucked up the world could get and like <laughs> Uh, obviously, you know, it, it clear, this is a show that kind of clearly has an agenda, but, uh, it's not a bad agenda. Let's see. 
uh, of showing you how terrible the world could be if we don't start combating climate change uh, now. Um, we're already fucked. That's fine. I mean, we're already fucked. So this maybe this is just telling us. You know, he told us what's going to happen in Contagion, so maybe this yeah. is what's going to actually happen to us. We're going to we'll be- all be watching this. This will be popular on Netflix when the waves are flooding you when your house is floating in the well, water. I can't remember the 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 what the uh, the line exactly was, but it's like uh, we're all going to die, but at least we'll get buried in gold coffins. Uh, yeah, look forward. That, so this is coming to Apple TV on the 17th of March. Next trailer, Children of the Corn, directed by Kurt Wimmer, starring Elena Campuris, Kate Moyer, Calvin Mulvey, and Bruce Spence. Possessed by a spirit in a dying cornfield, a 12-year-old girl in Nebraska recruits other children in a small town to go on a bloody rampage and kill all the adults, anyone else who opposes her. Soon, a bright high school student who won't go along with the plan becomes the town's only hope for survival. Dylan, what do you think of this trailer? I'm very confused because when I looked this up on IMDb after watching the trailer, mm-hmm. did it, was it shown at a film festival or something like that? Is that what it goes? Because it has like a 2020 original release date. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm not 100% sure what the story is, but this film... Because it says Saratosa, Florida or something. 23rd of October, twenty. So I'm guessing it did get shown at some sort of film festival. And potentially it's just not had... Uh, no one bought it. <laughs> uh, produced in 2020, but released and not released until 2023. Yeah. How weird. Um, I'm going to Here's an interesting fact. Principal yeah. photography began in New South Wales in early 2020. The beginning of COVID-19 and wrapped in June. All right, there you go. Uh, yeah, interesting. Um, I'm gonna yeah, I'm going one up, one down. I have no like major love for Children of Quarters, like a Stephen King um story. The original movie is like whatever, it's sort of. It's it's like a mid eighties cheap horror movie. I've never watched any of the sequels or anything like that. So, um, but yeah, I, I'll be keen to watch this one. The trailer one up, one down because although it looks to be like serious and well, as serious as you can do the story, I guess, and have some interesting kids uh, kill uh, kills and kids being fucking freaky and whatever else. I sort of hated the grindhouse voiceover. Thing. Yes, that's my magic craft. <laughs> Why? Yeah. What's up with the voiceover? It feels like such a throw, unnecessary throwback. Yeah, there are kids. There are they children. Will fucking and kill you. <laughs> they're gonna kill everybody. They're children of the corn. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so this is one up, one down for me, I think. Uh, especially in the first half of the trailer, where it's just voiceover over the top of everything. Um, I was like, nah, this is clearly not any good. But then once he shuts up, uh, and you see all the grisly shit she, this little kid is doing. <laughs> yeah. Talking about uh, he who walks, I want to say. Mm. I think. Uh, I'm like, fuck. She would want to have children after watching <laughs> But... What are you going to do? Kill all the adults? For starters. Yep. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is, so it's releasing in theaters in America on the 3rd of March. And it says to be released on Shutter on the 21st of March. I did not see it listed on Shutter's currently released slate here in Australia. So, but that, that could change. Have they but sent out an email? 
I checked the most recent press releases from Shudder. Mm-hmm. Nothing there. Maybe we have to hit them up. Like, with what the fuck is up with these Maybe children? Maybe it's only in America. What is up with these ch- corn children? Yeah. Maybe it's not Shudder in Australia. Maybe someone else has got it. Maybe. All right, next trailer. Lucky Hank. Created by Aaron Zellman and Paul Lieberstein. Starring Bob Odenkirk, Muriel Enos, Olivia Scott Welch, Diedrich Bader, Sarah Armini, Cedric Yabro, Susanna Cryer, Suzanne Cryer, uh, William Hank Devereaux, <laughs> William Henry Hank Devereaux Jr., the unlikely English department chairman at the badly underfunded Railton College in the Pennsylvania Rust Belt, is coping with a midlife crisis just as Hank's life begins to unravel. His wife, Lily, also begins to question the path she is on as a vice principal of the local high school as the choices and the choices she has made. Told in the first person by Hank, the series is adapted from Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo's novel Straight Man, which was inspired by his own experiences teaching at colleges. Dylan, what do you think of... Bob Odenkirk's first project post Better Call Saul. Uh, yeah, I'm keen. I'm definitely keen to watch this. I think it looks good. He's, it's nothing like Saul Goodman as a character. It's kind of funny because it's more like um, Walter White without the cancer and drugs. But I mean, more of it just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, more of just a, a, a grumpy sort of teacher thing going on. Uh, but yeah, I, I like the trailer. I'll go down with thumbs up. Uh from the dude who did the office, American office, so it doesn't look anything like that, really. But yeah, I'm keen. Yeah, two thumbs up from me, Bob and Kirk fights a goose. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it's an ongoing feud, so I'm looking forward to seeing <laughs> that played out. Uh but yeah, it looks very funny. Uh obviously looking at teaching and being in college and uh you know, midlife crisis is their thing. Uh so yeah. So this is releasing weekly starting on the 20th of March and episodes were releasing here in Australia on Stan. Good old Stanley. Good old Stan. Next trailer, Daisy Jones and the Six, created by Scott Neustadter and Michael H. Weber, uh, starring Riley Keough, Sam Claflin, Camilla Marone, Suki Waterhouse, Nabia B., Will Harrison, Josh Whitehouse, Sebastian Chacon, Tom Wright, Timothy Oliphant. In 1977, Daisy Jones and the Six were on top of the world. The band had risen from obscurity to fame, and then, after a sold-out show at Chicago's Soldier Field, they called it quits. Now, decades later, the band members agreed to reveal the truth. Dylan, what do you think of trailer for Daisy Jones and the Six? Double thumbs up. It looks like fun to me. It looks like a, a fun sort of drama romance drama with the musical backing the it's the trailers <laughs> it had me questioning i'm like is this some like really popular band i've never heard of like what's the like is this a true story and no it's not so it's just a, based on a book or whatever so um yeah i like the cast um like the setting yeah double thumbs up yeah this is double thumbs up from me i've seen <laughs> i've seen the book cover like I've seen the book in bookstores. I'm like, oh, that sounds like an interesting story. And all the every time I've seen it, it's had the little sticker saying "coming soon" as Amazon Prime series or Prime Video series. I'm like, I'm gonna wait to watch the TV series. <laughs> and now it's here. 
And it looks it good. Really, what you're saying is the sticker makes you not want to buy the book. Yeah, why would you put that sticker <laughs> on the book? It's like it's like them putting the book jackets on there. It's like now a major motion picture. It's like I don't I know, you know what's going to happen next hours. time you walk into that bookstore. Why have the sticker on there? It'll have the reprinted cover with the the live exactly. action cover. Yeah. It's like what well, now? I just now I know I could, there's a TV series to go watch. I don't have to wait. I could just do it now. Uh, but yeah, obviously it's uh, looks really good. Uh, double thumbs up if I didn't say that before. Uh, interesting to read. The book is inspired by Fleetwood Mac, uh, and obviously the events around them. So I mean, that makes once you realize sense. that, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, it looks good. The music sounded good. Uh, I'm keen. So yeah, this is coming to Prime Video uh, Friday, the third of March. Not far away. Last trailer for this week. Tetris. Directed by John S. Baird. Starring Taron Egerton, Toby Jones, Rick Yoon, Ben Miles, Sophia Lebediva, Nikita Efimov, Anthony Bowles A.N. Based on the true story of American video game salesman Hank Rogers and his discovery of Tetris in 1988, when he sets out to bring the game to the world, he enters a dangerous web of lies and corruption behind the Iron Curtain. Dylan, what did you think of the trailer for Tetris? I believe I described it as Argo, but the Tetris um, to you and Buddy when I was playing Apex of that, so that's how I'll go. There's double thumbs up. I think this looks really good. Look, It looks surprisingly good, considering when they announced they were doing a movie about Tetris, I'm like, the blocks fighting. Like, what's the, <laughs> what's the go? But yeah, I, I have no idea how much of what's in this trailer is just bullshit <laughs> how much is just a uh, true story but nonetheless i think taron edgerton looks good in this and i think it looks like an entertaining movie so uh yeah i'm, I'm keen to watch it but i could i just found it very funny that my first thought as soon as the trailer ended i'm just i'm just like i'm like oh, okay so it's like argo but instead of breaking out you know american citizens from a foreign country it's uh uh breaking out tetris from <laughs> from, from russia. russia yeah <laughs> yeah okay, okay. Yeah, this is double thumbs up from me. This is easily going to be the best video game movie this year, maybe. I don't know. Mario could still be good. Uh, but yeah, uh, this looks fantastic. Like, obviously, the two... St- we all know, like, Tetris, how big a deal it was. There's this awesome moment where he's in the, I guess, Nintendo headquarters, and he gets shown the first Game Boy for the first time. Freaking crazy as, like, video game fans. Like, obviously, the Game Boy is, like, one of the most important consoles ever um and yeah obviously tetris a massive game known everywhere everybody knows tetris everybody's played tetris um yeah even just the moment where he's like in his apartment talking to his wife he's like this these two kids are like got their eyes glued on playing tetris on the console it's like have you ever heard this apartment so quiet <laughs> uh so yeah it's fantastic i'm really looking forward to it uh and it is releasing on apple tv plus on the 31st of March. Let's look forward to that. All right, let's jump into this week's top three. Definitely in the top three. Uh, and seeing as it was the BAFTAs this week, I figured let's do top three British movies. I didn't classify it any more than that. They've just got to be British. So Dylan, what's your number three? So I saw you post this. this and I looked last night this morning. It's top three British films. I went, you fucking... You know, it's just top three British movies. It's just like, oh, you're just like, make it the most, like, serious. Anyway. I top tried three to- movies with women in it. 
Yeah. I went top three British movies uh, without spending more than two minutes looking at it into it or else I would just go too hard trying to work this out. That's that's a that's a that's like asking, oh yeah, just top three mo- favorite movies, John. I'm like, fuck, calm down. Uh, it's number don't three. You? No, I don't actually. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. There's a lot of British films. I don't know if you know Ash. A lot of British films. Uh, number three, I've gone with. I well, firstly, I cut it off. They had to be from two thousands. I was like, I just got to like set a, a year straight away. <laughs> uh, so it's just I'll go forever. Uh, and then I ended up picking a bunch of stuff that's more light in tone. So there you go. Because that's th- what the British are known for. <laughs> yeah, not really, but that's. What I'm, that's what, I mean, look, it's not on here. So I'll say, it. like, originally I had, I had like the witch and lighthouse, and all, like I, I just had like Olive Robert and stuff, and then like I had a bunch of other things. And I'm like, no, nah, it's just number three, Sing Street. Ooh, good choice. So, one of the greatest fictional uh, band stories that you could ever watch. Uh, follows this kid. What was he like sixteen? I guess he forms a band, um, and he like lives in like one of those small British villages where Karen Marshall grew up, I think. And then um, no, it's an island. So I mean, okay, probably. true, it's an island. Yeah, because he does talk about it with his brother about leaving or whatever. So, uh, but yeah, it's just a very wholesome. It's got fantastic music. It's got all these really great characters. Um, bunch of sort of breakout performances in it. If you haven't watched Sing Street, I I would definitely high high highly recommend. My number three, it's Hot Fuzz, directed by Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, the policeman in the small town, and then a bunch of murders start happening, and it turns into an action movie. Who would have thought? Fantastic. So much fun. Uh, fantastic cast. Uh, yeah. Just a, 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 my favorite of Edgar Wright's films. I was going to say, did you uh, just pick three Edgar Wright movies? No. <laughs> no, that would be too easy. Uh... Yeah, just a really good time. We have this friendship that's bombed over the film. Uh, and, you know, lots of ridiculousness, including them chasing a goose. Uh, lots of geese in this episode. Uh, Dylan, what is your number two? My number two is Edgar Wright, Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> uh, uh, my favorite of Edgar Wright's films, he's first one so yeah it's a zombie it's a zombie movie but it just turns it on its head and just makes it funny and got these of course if you're a fan of zombie movies there's lots of shout outs and what do you call it, like easter eggs and stuff like that in, in here to find but i think the reason the movie's so good is that even without getting any of these things like even without being and understanding why hey barbara and all these they're coming to get you barbara or like how how all of these are references you don't need to because the movie's made so well that you just enjoy the characters there as they are and find it all very funny, which it is. I've watched this movie countless times. I would happily watch it uh, more and more and more. All right. Uh, my number two. I don't know if we could do a top three British movies and not have a film with Richard Curtis involved. The man behind films like Notting Hill, uh, Four Weddings in the Funeral... Richard Jones' Diary, Love Actually. But the one that makes my list is About Time. Uh, the film starring Donald Gleeson, Rachel McAdams, and Bill Nighy, in which uh, Donald Gleeson learns that he's a time traveler <laughs> uh, who, uh, you know, falls in love with a woman. And, like, 
also deals with time travel <laughs> and how that changes his <laughs> perspective on life and love and all kinds of stuff. Uh, yeah, fantastic movie, incredibly moving, incredibly heartbreaking, uh, incredibly romantic. Uh, yeah, fantastic. Dylan, what's your number one British film? My number one British film is Paddington 2. My number one British film is Paddington 2. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> I mean, it's the answer. It's, it's, there's actually a correct answer to this question. Yeah, it's so. the best thing that Britain has ever given the world. Yeah. Talking about bears. Uh, yeah. yeah, so Paddington Bear, Paddington 2, one of the greatest films of all time. Uh, one of, one of uh, Nicolas Cage's new favorite movies of all time as well. So. Yeah. Uh, a rare occasion where a sequel's better than the original. Uh, Don't know if it's that rare. Arguably. The Godfather Part 2. Okay, calm down. The, <laughs> just because you watched Scream recently. Uh, they, yes, obviously you got Paddington returning, but I think the reason I, like, so both Paddingtons are really good. The reason number two is just so much more fun is just because all the prison stuff. Like the introduction of all those prison characters and the the marmalade making and the transformation of the prison into this like just grey scale thing into it becomes this floral coloured <laughs> like crazy place and whatever else it's just yeah and then you've got Hugh Grant in this movie has greatly affected his career even if I don't know if he's said as much because he came into this doing this wild wacky character putting all these different performances on and dressing up and whatever else and ever since then I, he's just been a lot more open and got cast in more wild ro- roles um particularly obviously sick of guy richie but none of that i don't think any of that happens without i think he, yeah i think before this movie he'd kind of been relegated to rom-com fair yeah. yeah been typecast and then yeah this gave him a new lease on life yeah it's just a fantastic heartwarming film like uh filled with fun action set pieces as well weirdly um what but yeah, film does a bear chase down a man on a bike on a dog on a dog yeah <laughs> don't know uh but yes yeah, super heartfelt heartwarming just you know the kind of nice nice movie that we want in the world so yes thank you britain for giving us paddington mm. too and marmalade i don't know if they did they invent marmalade Paddington did. I, but I don't think he did invent Marmalade. I think he did. Pretty sure his aunt invented it. Yeah, well, Paddington brought it to Britain. Dylan, this week, what do you want to watch? Um, I would... So, I got... Again, I don't think anything I want to watch is in my local cinema, so I don't... Like, I'm just going to have to forget that as part of the thing. But I would like to watch Winnie the Pooh. As I'm giving you two again, still no, I haven't watched it. You're going for it again. Second week you've mentioned it. Oh, did I say it last week? Yes. (laughs) Okay, then it's fine. Then I'll just give you one answer this week. I would like to watch women talking. (laughs) Pretty sure you mentioned that last week. (laughs) Okay, well that's like what is new this week? Both of this. Cocaine bear. Is that actually out this week though? Yes. Are you sure? It releases on the 23rd. I would like to watch Cocaine Bear this week. Also, Missing is out this week. I don't know if that's something you want to watch. Is it? Yes. My list is not up to that, then. 
Oh, my thing froze or something because I swear I looked before and I couldn't see any of these. It's like showing me last week's. Let's see. Here. Let me close this tab. Reopen. No, it's still showing me all the old. What the fuck's going on? Oh, no, what never mind. What's wrong? After Sun. No. Okay, After Sun Cocaine Bear. I was looking on Flicks, but. Um, That's where I was looking as well, lad. <laughs> they fucked me, I think. Oh, no, it said like this week. Trying to so sabotage you. It, yeah. I think it glitched out, but now that I've refreshed it, they'll say the correct movies. Yeah, so, alright, I'll go Cocaine Bear then, obviously. It's dumb. Yeah. Dumb, but... yeah. dumb answer. Saying <laughs> like the Jeez. movie I want to look forward to is called, called Cocaine Bear is a dumb answer. Yes. <laughs> Cocaine Bear. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Cocaine Bear as well, but I'm probably, I'm going to say After Sun. Finally coming to Australian cinemas, uh, wide release, wide-ish release, I guess. Uh, so, yeah. After missing several opportunities to go see it uh, early, I'll finally be able to see After Sun if I can get myself to go to the cinema. <laughs> All right, let us know what you're looking for, what you want to watch this week. Uh, your top three British films uh, or anything else we talked about on this week's episode of What Do You Want to Watch by going to explosion.com slash Twitter or jump to Discord at explosion.com slash Discord. If you want to help us here, if you want to help us out here at the podcast, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. Uh, leave us five stars and you can leave five stars or just tell people about the show. And if you've liked this episode, Thor's worth a dollar, head on over to our Kofi page at explosion.com slash support. Uh, bit of housekeeping here at the very end of the episode where probably not many people are listening. Next week's episode, going to be late. <laughs> probably Wednesday, Thursday night. I'm not sure. We have, we have to figure it out. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.